You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. My name's Ty Deemer. I'm your host, and we've got a great episode today. We're going to be talking a little bit about sales, a little bit about tree care with David Lewis from Orleans Tree Care. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ty. How are you? Good. Great. Happy to have you on. David, we like to start off every episode of our podcast the same way, just to provide immediate value for our audience. And the question we ask is pretty simple. Um, What do you view are the top three things or common threads that have led to your success at Orleans Tree Care or just in your tree care industry um, career experience? For me, my my success has been um, the most important one is being honest um, as, as, uh, not over promising and, um, you know, knowing what you're talking about, like, you know, knowing what you're bringing to the table for the, to the client. And, you know, the, I mean, if I add something else could be is, is that, you know, knowing the client's pain, what their pain is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I can, that makes complete sense. I mean, especially in, in your field of work, you really have to understand, what, what the priority is for them and why they're calling you for an estimate or um, to bid on a job. Typically, it's not because of their love of arboriculture. It's more just because they have a pain point. You kind of kind of probably mesh the two for them, right? Right. Correct. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, um, some, some, you know, that's some of the first questions that I ask the client. And, you know, it's also trying to make that connection with the client somehow, you know, and usually just being honest and upfront and, um, you know, open to conversations has really helped me to be able to um, create long lasting relationships in the industry. Yeah, for sure. So David, you, you have been in the industry for a while. Talk the audience through your um, background and, and likely why, why you're on the show. Talk to us through, you know, maybe how you got involved in the, in the tree care industry and, and what your career in the space has looked like. Um, so my, um, my space in this, my, my career in, um, you know, in tree care began, began when I was, uh, I'm 42. So it began when I was 18, I started climbing. Um, <clears throat> I was a production climber for about 14 years. And, um, you know, I just basically was the day to day, get up, you know, climb trees, prune trees, stuff like that. And, um, I worked under some really good arborists and I was, I was always interested in learning, but never really had the time to sit, sit down and study like I wanted to. But, um, so what happened was, um, you know, about seven years ago, I fell from 30 foot and broke my foot. And, um, so that took me out for a little while. And so what I did was I knew that at that time that, um, climbing might not be an option for me. So I started to study, you know, um, the, um, the ISA study book and, um, went and took the Arbor, passed the Arborist test. Then I went on to, um, get my track certification. Then I went from there and got my CTSP. And then here recently, I just got my applicator's license. So, uh, that after that happened, um, during that process, um, I went to work for a publicly traded company. Um, and I worked there for, uh, six years doing business development and account management. 
And I'm more of a hands-on type of business developer. So I see it from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, so, you know, I was there at that publicly traded company for um, five years. And then I moved over to Orleans and Orleans is a smaller, you know, company up and coming company. And um, I felt like that was a good position for me because I could do, you know, I could help the business grow. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I've, uh, <clears throat> and over here, you know, uh, we, we've, we've grown up, we've, are, I've, I've only been at Orleans for four months now. And, um, you know, we've already grown in revenue. It's a, it's a $2 million company. Um, as far as sales goes, you know, when I was, um, at the, um, publicly traded company, you know, I was averaging $2.4 a year in, in sales. Um, I probably made some of the largest, you know, single off sale in the East coast that there was for, for that company. And I've mm -hmm. done it here at Orleans too. Awesome. And quite the story too. like, talk through me real quick, the transition of having your injury and then re recognizing, man, the, the tree climbing part of this might not be a thing for me anymore. That had to be pretty tough. Cause I know how tight knit that tree climbing community is. Right. Yeah, man, it was devastating. You know, I still, I still climb to this day, but you know, my foot won't allow me to climb the way that, um, you know, I just kind of looked at it and, you know, looked at it as an opportunity to, to, mm -hmm. to propel my career forward. And, um, you know, I got in the back pocket of some people had that had been in the green industry and these, most of these were landscapers. And I just kind of learned from them about, you know, the, the business development part, like, you know, how, how to bring in new business and what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like, having that background of being in the trees, do you feel like that sets you up for success to sell the work? Like, does it, does it help the fact that you know uniquely, like how the work is actually going to get done, just not how it's going to get sold? Has that, do you feel like that's been beneficial for you? Yes, it's been, it, that, that is probably the main, you know, for, as far as like, you know, bidding the work and price points. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of guys that are like, you know, other arborists that are just, you know, they're field, they're not field trained. They didn't come out of the field. They're, you know, more book smart, or you've got a lot of people that you bid against that have never done tree work. So, you know, I'm able to look at a tree and say, okay, well, we can do this and this here and there and cut a corner to make that faster, which, you know, drives the price down, which mm -hmm. helps, helps, helps you win work, you know, at the end of the day, some clients are looking for, you know, quality. Some are looking for the lowest cost. I never try to be the lowest. I always try to be right in the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think that really helps me, man, is, is, is the part of, you know, having that prior climbing experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really cool. And you talked earlier about how you're kind of more of an end-to-end -end sales guy, too. Um, because you want to see it all the way through. And I think that's, you're kind of provided a unique aspect in, in that sense, because you know what the work's going to look like from the moment you sell it. And then you're going to be there consistently through. Do you find that like, what, what's the benefit for you to be that involved all the way through? Like what, what type of feedback have you gotten from clients when you're that present all the way throughout the process? Oh, well, the clients, they love it, you know, from commercial clients to residential clients, you know, um, and this type of business and sales communication is the number one thing. It's the number one mm -hmm. factor. If you're not a good communicator, um, I'm not saying you won't be successful, but you won't be as, as successful as somebody mm -hmm. that has a high communication level. Cause I've found times when I couldn't meet deadlines, 
And, you know, just being honest with the client and communicating that with them made them feel a lot more comfortable through that process. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know, you know, about arboriculture and the process they go. So, you know, me being present there with them, explaining the process and kind of guiding them through that, you know, where it's a turnkey job, they, they, they hire us. We, I come in there, you know, I see it from the, from the first, from the, you know, what objectives we're going to hit. And then we meet them objectives and then, you know, come back and do a follow-up with the client and walk them through the the property and just make sure that they're happy. Um, You know, seeing it from beginning to end, I've always, you know, had great results, great Google reviews. Um, You know, it's just really helped me. Yeah. So I would love to kind of dive into that in general, like your sales process that you've built out over the years from, you know, maybe it's like you're given the lead or someone calls into the office um, and they're, they're requesting a bid. Could you talk through kind of steps, step by step, what you think are the key points of that end to end process? And it might seem like kind of redundant or, or like a lot to go through that. But I know for a fact, there's people listening to this that like, they're trying to figure out as a tree care or landscape company, what should our sales process be? And I think someone like you that owns it end to end, if you could just provide a little insight into what yours looks like, it could be really valuable to our listeners. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's two different ways that leads come to me. Um, either Mm -hmm. it is generated by my, by my, my actual experience in the arboriculture industry, people reach out for me because, you know, I've several, you know, I've been on the commercial side of the business for a while. So they usually come, you know, because they're, they, they know me. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, that usually comes through an email and what I do is, you know, I set a meeting up with them, I go out there, I, I find out what their pain is, what, 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 what needs to be done on the property. And then, you know, I present, then I put together a proposal. And then what I do is I sit down with the client and I go over that pr- proposal and I make sure that their details are in there about what objectives we're going to do to the tree, what, you know, very detailed orientated proposals, um, they sell their self. And then, yeah. you know, with, with residential clients, a lot of them, they come through the office or they come through, you know, leads through the office. And so what I do is, um, you know, now that, you know, we have, um, we have, we, we, at Orleans, we have single ops. Um, and so it has a, it has a feature on there where you can call the client ahead of time. So usually what I do is like 45 minutes before I'm going to show up to that client's house, I call that client just to feel them out, to feel, you know, just to start that conversation with them and kind of like, you know, break the ice. And then once I'm there, once I'm there, I just try to, um, you know, make a connection with them somehow. And it might not have to do with treats. It's just being, you know, being personable, um, I think really is a, a, a key, a key, a key factor in sales is, mm-hmm. is if you're not personable and you're not relatable, um, most likely I'm not saying all the time, but most likely you have another per- arborist that comes along that's more personable and he's higher price point price point is higher. He's probably going to win the work. Yeah. What do you view are the, the big differentiators? Like, I, I agree with everything you've said so far. You know, you're you're getting to the job site, you're setting a good 
kind of environment for the sale, right? You're giving them right. the call beforehand, you're getting comfortable with them. And then you have a detailed proposal. If you're, whether it's single apps or any other software, if you're not giving them a digital proposal that clearly lays out what you're doing in the, on the property, you're definitely like far behind. But to your point, there's a lot of other factors that go into a like a sale um, and right. something actually closing, what do you feel like are some of the key components of getting the sale? Like so, what so, do you, what so do you think estimate, typically pushes it over it? Yeah. So, so, so um, my estimates are not site driven. Like I don't look at a tree and say, Hey, this is a $3,000 tree. There's mathematics mm-hmm. that I use that goes into that, into okay. that cost. Um, so, so my, so my, my price, so then I am able to adjust my price point. If I see that my, my close rate is falling down or, you know, looking at your close rate of, of, of work one versus work lost, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of arborists that just look at a tree and say, that's a $3,000 tree. Well, tell me how you came up with $3,000. So, you know, I back mathematics in that using, um, DBH tapes and, you know, I don't really want to get into all the ins and outs of exactly what I do to bid the jobs, but mm-hmm. um, it's systematic. It's just like anything else. Like I do the same process over and over. If it comes with plant health care or tree removals or tree pruning, it's all mathematics with me. So that's what I put into the bid. And then, gotcha. you know, as I present the bid to them, you know, um, a lot of times the job is won right then. You know, 90, mm-hmm. 90, 60% of the jobs that I sell are sold right on spot, like really? right there on the job. Yep. Um, and um, some of them come back through later on. They have to, you know, there's residential client. Of course, they need to talk to their significant other and, you know, and following up with the client. You know, in a couple of days, I'll follow up. And, you know, and if they said I was too high or, or you know, they're going with somebody else, I ask the question, you know, hey, why? And so I can learn, so I can learn from that to be better on the next, you know, the next, the next time that's, that's, what's made me successful is, you know, we are, we're all going to fail in the industry. We're all going to lose bids, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again, expecting different results, that's the fine, that's the the absolute definition of insanity, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I just try to try to learn from each experience. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I want to kind of go back for a minute talking about how like 60% of the jobs that you estimate you, you sell like on site. What do you feel like is the uh, like the factor behind that? Do you think it's just because people is it timeliness to the estimate? Like you, you were the first one there. What do you feel like or are you setting up an environment where you just make it to where they're like, yes, this is what we were looking for. Let's do it. Or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. And, 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 you know, that's where that relationship comes in and making that bond. I try Mm -hmm. to make the client client feel like, you know, I'm very passionate about tree care. So that comes, it it perspires off of me. Like I put it out in the atmosphere and that the client, I mean, sometimes I can see them, you know, they get all bubbly inside. So, you know, and they're like, Hey man, this guy's going to do a great job. He's very passionate, high energy. And, um, I think that's what makes them, you know, because a lot of the times I'm not the cheapest bidder. Like, you know, you don't have to be, 
the cheapest bidder, but, you know, making that connection with the client, I think is vital. If you, if you're not, if you don't make a connection with the client some way, some, somehow, um, you know, uh, your odds go down. So, um, a lot of times I think with that, and then, you know, with the particular software we use, it has an accepted buttons right there. So, you know, I, I present the proposal to them. We're both looking at it on each other's phones and I kind of go through the same process and say, Hey, you know, here's the proposal. Here's our, here's a copy of our insurance. Here's the pictures I took of the trees. Here's the objective that we're going to meet. Here is something about the company. And here's a copy of our COI. And, you know, you're, gotcha. you're provided everything right there. So they feel comfortable. And when a client feels comfortable, they're going to spend their money. Yep. Makes complete sense. And then on the flip side of that, when they don't sign on site, you mentioned follow-ups. Follow-ups are really powerful. W- w- what is your advice to co- other people listening to this on follow-ups? Like what, what should their sales, how should their sales team think about follow-ups? Well, there's a, there's a fine point. So, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was with the, um, when I was with, uh, uh, the, um, publicly traded company, um, you know, they were keen on following up and following up and following up and following up and following up. And, and to a point that gets to where you're being pestering, you know? Yeah. So what I do is, um, I generally, um, you know, if it's a commercial or a property manager, I will shoot them an email probably like three to four days later. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I don't hear anything, if I don't hear anything back from them, that means I didn't win the work, you know? So I'm yeah. not, I'm a follow up one time with residential clients. Um, they're a little bit different. I usually call them mm-hmm. and, and talk with them, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll help them with the process with another tree service, you know, I'll, I'll help them. I'm like, so I, I try to make them understand that I'm there to help not to, you know, it's not all about the sale. It's about yeah. making that relationship and making that connection. Um, you know, in sales, I've learned, I learned from a lot of good business developers and, um, you know, relationships and making them bonds. You never, even on a residential job, you never know who you're dealing with. Like you mm-hmm. might be dealing with somebody that owns 50 commercial buildings. I've had it happen. I've had one sale from $1,400 turn into a portfolio of work that's $1.4 million. You wow. know, it's just yeah. by making that connection with that person and them making them feeling like it's a turnkey job. You know, when they mm-hmm. hit that approval button, they don't have anything to worry about. David's got it from from front to end. He's got it. And yeah. that that comfortability, you know, bringing that to the table, making them feel comfortable and, you know, being on time. And if you're not going to be on time, then you communicating that that I find that that's one of the number one things I think in our, in the green industry that the lack of communication is, is, is prevalent everywhere. It's, it's just everywhere. And if you're a high communicator, you're going to be successful in sales. Yeah, for sure. That's really interesting. Cause I, I love the way that you call out communication because it is one of those things where I think that's one of those, like, Oh, like, it should be obvious to people, but like what you're talking to those simple check-ins, those, those follow-ups, the way you called before the job, before you arrived at their house, just to kind of break the ice, those little things can make it such a better experience for the end customer. 
Yeah. And then, you know what, to, you know what to expect when you get there, you know, if you can mm-hmm. really, if you know, I'm pretty good at gauging people and understanding people. So if I pick the phone up and I call them and they're rude and they're, you know, just like, yeah, I'll be there. Like, you know, and they're real short. Then I know to keep the conversation short. This person is not about, you know, they're just taking multiple bids. Then you have other people that really generally care. So then you can make that connection before you even get there. And they're generally excited about meeting you, you know, excited yeah. about what's going on. It just gives you an idea of what environment you're about to walk into. And then you can kind of gauge how you need to respond or how you need to go into it based off of that. That's for anyone listening, trying to give, get tips for their sales team. That's an awesome one. Last part about the sales process that I kind of want to ask you about was specifically with the process, have some other questions for you is you've mentioned you're an end to end guy. Like once you sell the work, you don't drop off. Um, what does that look like for you? Um, practically, is it, you know, checking in with the customer, uh, reminding them when a crew is going to be coming in, seeing if they're happy with the work, like talk to us what that kind of post sale um, right. process looks like for you. So it just depends on wh- how much, de- how much is into the job. Like let's just take mm-hmm. off a one-off residential job. Um, I'm going to use a particular job that I just sold here recently. So mm-hmm. I got referred by three other tree companies. Um, it was a, the tree was in a very difficult location, no crane access, nothing like that. So we, we here at Orleans, we have an, um, you know, one of the spider lifts and there's only a couple people, companies here in Richmond that have that lift. So I go in there, I meet with the client. We've got to go through two neighbors backyards. So there's a lot of stuff involved in this, right? So, so initially she goes with me for the sale. I close the deal. And then what I do is I set an appointment up with the three neighbors and I get them all together. And we talk about this process of what's going to happen and what I'm going to do and how mm-hmm. I'm going to execute that, how I'm going to put out parking permits, parking things. So people, we have access to the property. Um, and then, you know, um, and then going over there and actually sending a production manager to do exactly what I said I was going to do. And, um, and I do this all by putting it on my calendar Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, reminding myself, like, I can't remember everything in my mind. So, you know, if you're trying to remember everything in your mind, you know, I, I, like for me, the calendar is my best friend. Like it reminds me, Hey, you need to be at Miss Odell's house at nine o'clock to meet with them about discussing the process of, of this project that's going on because it's involving seven different individuals and their properties. Um, so then, you know, so I, I follow up with them and, um, I, uh, you know, I just keep in contact with them. And then as the, then, you know, I notified them that the crew, when the crew's going to be there. Um, and then, you know, after, while the crew's there, if I have time during that day, I will stop by and, and meet with the client and kind of like, you know, let them go out there. You know, I have a spare hard hat that I keep in my house because it's kind of interesting for them to be able to see what's going on, you know, without putting mm-hmm. them in harm's way. And then, um, you know, just cause it's an experience. I mean, cause you know, tree work at the end of the day, it's not cheap. So, yeah. I mean, somebody, so people, you know, that sometimes some people care and some people don't care to see the process. And then, you know, and when they're finished, um, when I'm invoicing them, I usually call them and make sure that they're happy. And then, you know, I'll let them know that their invoices 
on the way to them and, you know, close the deal out. And then, you know, I do something a little bit different than a lot of people. So a lot of the clients over through the whole year during Christmas time, we send out cards to them, just thanking them for their business. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, being personable it, and and having that communication level, I think is what ma- has made me successful in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. That's all some really practical, practical stuff that you can implement as like in the post sale. That's a good experience. I love the idea of keeping an extra hard hat in your truck. And just like, I know from my perspective, when you, when I've seen big tree work, like there is there naturally when you're working with bigger trees or bigger projects like that, people just find it interesting. I know like I, it's, it's cool. Like it's, it's an interesting process to watch and the skills that these climbers have are really technical. It's impressive what they do. So it's fun. Like it's a cool part of the process to let a customer kind of get a, get a glimpse into it. So I, I really yeah. like that. And also um, there's one other thing Oh, I didn't cut you off, right? No, you're good. One other thing that we do is um, we so we have pictures of the crew. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we send that to the client, so they know who their who their crew leader is going to be. The usually that's the climber, you know. So we have pictures of them, so they know, like you know, with with their name underneath of it and their title. So we send that in an email, and they know when that person comes to the door that morning, that's who they're going to meet. And we've already told them some background on this person. You know, he's got ten years experience. He's an ISA certified climber. Da 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 da. And I think that just makes it, you know, it makes it, it makes it a better experience for them. Oh, no doubt. Cause one of my questions I was going to ask, like as a salesperson, how do you set your crews up for success? That has to be huge. Just giving your, your customer an idea of the crew that's coming on their property. I, that's gotta be, uh, have it. That's gotta have a huge impact, right? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. And then, you know, the customer, he, she's already familiar with the face. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not like she, she is, or he or she is meeting a stranger, but they know what the person looks like and they know their experience. And cause you know, I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, removing big trees or even pruning stuff over top of their houses, it's scary. It's scary mm-hmm. to somebody that doesn't know, you know, so um, the more comfortable they are, the more comfortable the crew is going to be. And then, you know, so and with that along that, you know, goes that goes back to that detailed pro- proposal. Um, when the, when the crew goes out there, all the notes that I've made, Hey, the septic tanks here, this is here, this is here. They already pretty much have a pretty much a good picture painted their mind of what is going on and on the job. So when mm-hmm. they get there, there's no surprises. And there, if there's some pre-job prep, like, you know, um, some gates need to be taken down or whatever. A lot of the times I go out there and do that myself. Like I'll, I'll niche out some time of my day to, um, go out there. That gives me another chance to meet with the customer and, and, um, you know, prep the job. So when they get there, they can go to work and, yep. um, cause that burns up, you know, my, time is money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, one of the other topics that I wanted to dive into you with was the idea of upselling. I know you mentioned Orleans has a PHC program. Um, how do you as a salesperson kind of walk the tightrope of going to someone's um, property and they have typically with true care, they're calling you, right? It's like, we need, we need this done. Come help us. How do you find ways 
to upsell jobs where there are opportunities for plant health care or like biannual like trimmings and things of that nature. What's your kind of strategy or thought process behind that? So, um, usually with, for me, for like, you know, um, I think that, that, you know, that varies from each person to person, but like with me, with my experience, you know, uh, and they see that, you know, that, 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 that I am an ISA certified arborist that I have a tree risk assessment license. So, you know, they, they know that already before I get there. Cause usually I've emailed them and they see that, see all these titles. So then they, most 90% of the time they ask me to look around their property or Mm -hmm. as we're looking at, say we're looking at a removal in the backyard, as we're walking to that thing, I point out a couple little things to them, you know, and, 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 and then, you know, the converse that opens the conversation and they're like, well, yeah, I've had a problem with that for years. And I'm like, we can do this and this to fix that. And it's not Mm -hmm. pushy sales. It's kind of like just, education, like, you know, educating the clients because a lot of times residential clients or even commercial clients, they have no idea that, you know, uh, lace bugs are over here eating on their bushes or, you know, that whatever the case might be that their tree has obscure scale or, or whatever Mm -hmm. you want, whatever's going on on the property, you know, 90% of the time on every property, there is some type of plant healthcare issue. And, um, You know, so and and then also having that knowledge, you know, being knowledgeable about, you know, trees and plants is, is going to help you with upsell. People are going to they're going to. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to uh, listen to you, if that makes yeah. sense, like, you know, no, it does. And I think you kind of you were hinting at it, I think, with upselling part, part of the part to be an effective upseller is to just be more focused on the relationship rather than the sale or the upsell. It's, it's like, if you have that relationship and you build trust, you can introduce the idea of a plant healthcare plan or, you know, some type of like regular trimming to protect their yard. If they actually believe you're an advocate for their property. Um, but if you, I feel like, where it gets tricky is if you don't have that relationship built and it's more it, it, I, as like someone who can imagine the mind of a property owner, if you don't do it right, it can probably feel like a little bit of a money grab. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no definitely. So, you know, um, that's where like, you know, be not being pushy and having a mm-hmm. relationship with them and, you know, um, you've already built that rapport with them and actually knowing what you're talking about and being being able to, to identify like, you know, with plant healthcare, because a lot of times with that, you know, it's unseen, like plant healthcare is, is it's great. And it's, it's, it's a great revenue for tree care services and landscape companies. But a lot of times the clients don't see the results right away. It's not like, Mm -hmm. like going out there and pruning a tree and they see it right then it's a, it's a later on, it's a, it's a, it's a delayed effect. So, you know, knowing how to identify the problems is, um, you know, that goes back to the education of like, you know, being educated and being able to educate the client. So they know that you're, because a lot of people think that like with plant healthcare, that it's, uh, that it's fake or phony or it's not needed. It's not necessary. 
And, and, you know, um, and a lot of times it starts with just like, like, like you're talking about with general pruning, like, you know, you see all these holly trees on this person's house and, you know, they've got a uh, cotton camellia scale and it's because they've been shearing the trees nonstop. So then you can recommend a growth regulator if that that's going to help them save them labor or save mm-hmm. them time. And then that in return re- re- reduces the stress to the holly tree, which then re- reduces the exposure to cotton camellia scale, you know, so it just, it just all kind of meshes together and how you present that, you know, yeah. um, that's just, I, that's, that's how I do it. No, that, that makes so much sense to me too. And, and what you're kind of getting at, and I think this has always been an interesting part about the tree care industry to me is you have a ton of passionate people in the tree care space. You, you touched on it earlier. Like it's, you're passionate about what you do. You started in the trees, you got your education and and learned what it looked like to then implement that out in the field. But you can't necessarily inspect a homeowner to be passionate about their trees. It's, it's not how they're hardwired, but you can use your passion in a really strong way. If you're able to explain to them why they should care or what is the benefit? What is the cost? Um, And at the end of the day, even if it's just like, Hey, if you do this, you're not going to have to pay for that big tree removal later on because your tree is going to be healthy and not dead. It's like, it's, it's finding the pain point of the customer using your knowledge to then sell to that gap. What do they really care about? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so, you know, like, so say just, you know, for instance, say we've got this large white oak in the backyard. It's, it's got no access. And, you know, the tree, you walk up on the tree and you can see that it needs a root collar excavation. Right. And they mm-hmm. called you there to prune the tree. You know, so sometimes what I'll do is when they're talking about pruning it. So they want to preserve the tree. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, that'll lead into a conversation of, look, you know, to dive into this a little bit deeper and to ensure that we're going to, you know, keep this tree healthy, I would, you know, take entertain the thought of doing a root collar excavation on it. And this is the reason why, because all this mulch built up around it, it's going to cause advantageous roots. And you know, then you explain the process and they most 90% of the time I found that when you start talking about saving a customer money, they're going to pay attention to that. That's, yeah. that's, that's going to keep their attention. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. Um, I only have like one or two more topics I want to talk through you. One of them is seasonality. Obviously in Virginia, you experience a good bit of seasonality. It's probably 90 degrees where you are right now, or at least close to it. And then, you know, come November, December, it'll probably be snowing or the work won't be as available. How, how do you as a salesperson like manage seasonality and seasonal fluctuations of work being available? So that's a good, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, um, during the summer months, what I try to do is I try to set up stuff for the fall. So, you know, um, when I'm on, on one of these properties with one of my clients, you know, if it's something like they want a crown reduction done on a mature tree, I'll try to put that off to the latter months. Um, and then also, you know, us having relationships with other green industry, like landscape companies and stuff like that. So then we have snow contracts to do with them and that mm-hmm. to build that portfolio of work for the business. So if we don't have tree work, what else can we do? You know, what, what else can we do with our equipment to make money? 
And so um, we found here at Orleans that, you know, partnering with these larger landscape companies that have subs that they sub out, you know, like this is per se snow work. You know, we we sign up contracts and have that set up. So when it does snow, if it does snow, um, we have that work. And then also, you know, um, having um, people on regular pruning cycles. And then mm-hmm. so like we will try to do some of their pruning, some of the larger contracts in the wintertime, in the winter months or, you know, to um, – to keep us busy. Um, we don't really slow down during from the, from the winter months to this. I mean, from the summer months, to the winter months, yeah. I mean, there might be a fluctuation because of weather, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just how like, you know, like, or like root collar excavations. So during the summer, I'm talking about root collar excavations because I know my guys are going to need something to do in the winter months and root collar excavations are better executed in the, and while the tree is dormant, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's, that's where that, you know, again, that leads back to knowing what you're doing. Like, you know, um, I really, a lot of uh, companies get it mixed. I, I think this is just my personal opinion here. You can't take somebody that doesn't know nothing about trees and stick them over into sales of trees and think that they're going to be not saying they won't be successful, but being able to propel and take that, uh, whatever that business size is and, and taking it to the next level. Yeah. Cause it doesn't fit into the overall strategy of the business. And although they might be great at selling, they might not be great at setting their crews up for success or being able to handle the seasonal fluctuations of a business. Like, because you have to have all the working parts of knowing how to sell and knowing the knowledge of the trees that you're working with. That's, that's a really good point. Correct. So last conversation, I want to talk about like, the, the good side of sales or, or the positive is, you know, you having been doing this for a while, have probably gone from doing sales where your CRM probably used to be like a notebook and then your, your brain keeping everything together to now you're using software. What in, in your opinion are some of the best practices someone that's listening to the show, maybe they're an estimator or an arborist that another company can use in a platform, whether it's single ops or something else, what do you think some of the key elements of best practices with the software are? Um, for me, so, you know, looking at software, I've used a lot of the different CRMs. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of knowledge with a lot of different ones. Um, there's one in particular, I'm not going to like, you know, talk about any names cause it really doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you're using. But, um, so, so for me, th- there's some main drivers that a software has to have. It has to have a great scheduler for like appointments that's easy for my office to handle. So Mm -hmm. the ladies in the office can take that call, vet the call and be able to enter the information into the CRM and into the schedule within seconds. That's, that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is the detailed proposal. Like how do the proposals look, you know, when they come out of there, the less, the more professional the proposals look, the less I have to explain, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm like, you know, a long time ago, we would say, hey, looking at the house on the left-hand side and the front yard, there's a red oak, uh, you know, 400 yards from the house, you know, this, all this other stuff. If you have the 
where you're able to drop pens on that, where locations on with the tree, pictures of the tree, that 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 stuff is important to me. And then, you know, how user friendly the software is. Like, you know, I've worked with some CRMs that are, you know, they're not very user friendly. They you've got to go to 15 different areas to get that answer that you're looking for. So what's going to save me time is going to save me money. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be able to be more productive on other things, you know, like be concentrating on actual business development things, going after clients that that we don't currently serve. Yeah, that 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 pretty much answers the question for me, um, and it's pretty in line with what I've heard from other people. I I lied. I actually have one more question for you. Um, so, my last question. And this has all been great, by the way, David. We've covered so much in, in 40 minutes. Um, I want to ask you, as a sales, like a, a business developer in the space, you obviously have a sales goal that you have to hit um, or that you're striving to hit. What is your process for managing sales goals? And, and how do you think about it? How do you like plan on getting there? Like, What does that look like for you to hit your sales goals or even set them? <laughs> So Ty, so I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 100 honest with you, man. Um, I don't even worry about the sales goal. Whatever the mm-hmm. sales goal is, the sales goal is that. Yeah, in the back of my mind, is it sitting there? Yeah, mm-hmm. but if I if if I if I if I riddle myself with my sales goal, that's gonna in return it's gonna bleed over to the clients, right? Yeah. So so if I just keep on doing what David has always done, I'm gonna be successful and I'm gonna hit the sales goal. And usually I'm gonna hit it and go past it. And and you know. I I have yet in the last six years to fall short of my sales goal. I just, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just not something that I keep in. I keep in the back of my mind, but I just know if in my mind, in my heart, I know that if I do what I do every day and I'm honest, open, and I don't overcommit, I don't overpromise, I'm going to sell, sell work. You can Mm -hmm. put me in any market and I'm going to be effective. Um, Yeah. Now, you know, some companies like, you know, larger companies, they put really healthy sales goals on their guys and that causes stress. And when that stress, it bleeds over into your clients and then they Mm -hmm. look desperate, you know, so, so that's why I don't really look at the sales. I do look at it, but what I'm saying is, it's just, it's not at the front of my mind. What's at my front of my mind is making a relationship with this client. And not seeming desperate, you know, that's, that's the, when, when, when a sales guy starts looking like a used car salesman, I hate to say it like that, you know, mm-hmm. you're going downhill, you're, you're spiraling down. Yeah. So no. I just try to keep, keep up and, you know, make sure. And if I'm not winning work, you know, like let's say on a weekly basis that I've went on 40, 40, 40, 40 uh, estimates and I've only sold 10, then what's wrong? And then I take a look at that. And is it price point? Is it I'm not presenting it right? Is it the type of clients not being vetted right? It's they're just taking, you know, 100 bids and then, you know, taking a look at that. And so that's basically what I do. It's just, you know, it's just to make sure that I just keep doing what I know how to do. And then you're, you'll be effective. You know, you'll hit your sales goals. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't hit your sales goal, but you, you're close um, to me, that's a win. You know, um, I, you know, I try to stay on the, looking at the glass 
half full than half empty side. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's about the quality of work. Cause sometimes, you know, let's say there was one year that I fell short of my sales goal there. I have not hit my sales goal, but the, just the work that I sold performed at a higher margin. Mm-hmm. Line margin. Let's say, you know, we're looking at a, a like, you know, performing at a 55 to 60% margin and 50 of my jobs performed at a 75% margin. I hit my sales goal because yeah. the company made more money. So at the end of the day, you know, um, sales goals are great. I think without a goal, we're destined for failure. But mm-hmm. and for me, I just don't keep it at the front of my mind. It's not something that beats in my head like, hey, you've got to hit this goal because it makes you seem desperate. Does that make, does that make sense? No, it definitely does. And I, I think it's a really, it, to me, it kind of goes back to your original point is you're someone, and ideally everyone, every, every true care company has someone like this, but you're able to kind of see the big picture of the company whether it's through your, your knowledge of what your crews are doing, but also like what the end goal of the business is. And and you're able to sell to that and understand that it's more than just hitting a goal. It's there, there's a bigger picture involved. And I think that's what you're getting at. And it's a really good point. I I really liked that. Um, I want to wrap us up here and I always like to kind of finish these episodes with a kind of a, a forward thinking question for our guests so David, you know, what kind of comes next for you slash what are you excited about in this next season at Orleans? So I'm really excited about the plant healthcare program. Um, okay. This will be my second time building a plant healthcare program from, from ground up. And it's mm-hmm. just exciting. It's exciting to, 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 you know, bring on that new revenue. It's a new bucket. It's a new lever for us to grab you know, when, um, for, for, for revenue, but also it's also, it brings more to my client and more of my tool bag. So I'm excited about that. And, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, new relationships developing, um, presentations that I'm about to do in front of some huge property management groups. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what keeps me excited is, is, is the new relationships and, and the plant healthcare program, you know, by getting the equipment and setting that up and seeing what all that's going to look like and how that's all going to turn and put it together is it, what excites me. Yeah, I love it, David. This has been one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded in a while, mainly because I feel like the people that are listening to this show are going to get so much just actionable things they can begin thinking about with their sales team and their sales process. Can't thank you enough um, for, for coming on and sharing all of your insights. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad to do it. Awesome. Well, David, we will be in touch for sure. And I really appreciate your time today and joining us on green industry perspectives. All right, man. Well, you have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. If you got some value out of this episode, drop us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. And don't forget to become a pro member of the podcast at singleops.com slash podcast. As a pro member, you'll get notified of each new episode, access to exclusive bonus content, and be entered in to win some great prizes. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week.